Hi. Okay, welcome. Welcome to Parkview. Glad you're here. Really, really glad you're here. I want to explain the labels right up front. Don't put your name on them, okay? Um, because when I tell you what you're going to do with them later, you're going to be glad you don't have your name on them. Okay, that's all I'm saying. I know it looks like, hi, my name is. I know some of you singles are like, oh, I'm going to put my name on here. Maybe I'll meet somebody. No, 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 no don't do that yet, okay? Just, just hang on to it. I'll tell you about it along the way. We are celebrating a lot of great things around here. Last night, we kicked off Saturday night at our brand new New Linux campus and had over 500 people come to it. It's awesome. <clears throat> I don't know if that's like, you know, new growth or just all the people that decided that they, you know, were going to have to lose an hour of sleep and came on Saturday night. We'll figure that out. I, and welcome. We're glad that you're here too. And we're celebrating this compassion thing. I mean, Greg told me, Greg's one of my best friends. He's one of the stinklings that I talk about from time to time. One of the three guys that I partnered with 15 years ago to do ministry together. And uh, but really one of my best friends. And I wanted him to come and do this. And he said, I'm going to bring a thousand kids. I'm like, Okay, you know, whatever, bring a thousand kids, man. I, you know, I hope, hope it goes well. And we literally ran out of a thousand kids, and we are over a thousand now after, after what happened last night. So thank you. You guys are awesome. And I want to tell you, man, I, I, I don't have time for you to clap. I want to tell you, I, it is, it, I've met the kids that we sponsor, okay? And what Dan said earlier, it is true. It really does change their life. So, uh, you know, you're going to get a couple of years into this process and go, I wonder what's going on. I'm telling you, it's changing their life. It's giving them food. It's giving them a school. I mean, we're planting this, this church in Brazil. These are going to be our kids that we're taking care of. It's going to be incredible. So thank you for doing it. All right, so what do we do to get rid of our baggage. We admit, we submit, and we commit. We admit, first of all, that it's not just a flesh wound. Whatever it is that I've got going on in my life, whatever my baggage is, I admit that I've got a problem. To start walking free, I must admit that I am powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing, and I and my life has become unmanageable. We always are you know, have a tendency to do the wrong thing. The Apostle Paul, who is one of the greatest Christians ever, wrote most of the New Testament, said, I have a tendency to do the wrong thing, okay? But here's the part that's important. My life has become unmanageable. That, that's when you know that it's baggage, right? We talked about that. When, when it gets to the point where I can't control it anymore. We can't just cover up for it anymore, okay? I'm going to show you a video that I made on YouTube a couple years ago, and it's the wrong idea, all right? Um, my wife drove a Toyota minivan and had 160,000 miles on it. When, you know, we just drove it into the ground. And when you, when you, when you drive an older vehicle, um, you, you just, there's some things that are just not worth fixing. You know, they're more expensive to fix than the van is worth. We had a, a sliding door that, that didn't work. It was one of those power doors back in the day, and it wouldn't work anymore. So we just put duct tape over it and didn't use that door for a while. That's all, because it, it was going to cost too much money. And, and another thing was I had this tire sensor light, and, and it was supposed to tell you when the air pressure in your tire, the, air, the, the tire pressure was bad, except I knew that the tire pressure wasn't bad. I could see it. So I came up with another way to fix it, and I made a YouTube video so that I could help other people. Hi, everybody in YouTube land. I'm here to show you how to fix the warning sensor on a 2006 Toyota Sienna. Uh, you can see right here um, the warning sensor in question is the uh, tire pressure gauge uh, right there. It's a tire pressure warning light. It's really bright and orange and obnoxious. And um, I've tried to fix it. You can reset it, actually, with this little button down here. But... 
uh, it must be broken because it just keeps coming back on again. And, uh, and the reason I feel this way is because these are, you know, brand new tires and obviously the pressure's not got any problem. Um, you know, there, there's no, there's no problem with it. They're brand new. So obviously there's a problem with the sensor. So I'm going to demonstrate, uh, how to fix that sensor. And, uh, I've already kind of pre-done some of my equipment here. What you need is, uh, some black electrician's tape and, um, and a, just a regular pair of scissors, really very simple. All you need to do is uh, kind of figure out where you're going to be seated so you can kind of tell where the warning light comes in, you know, to view with your vision. And just uh, place that piece of black tape over it right there, and, um, and then you'll never see it again. There, I fixed it. See? That, that, that's what a lot of us have been doing with our baggage. That's what a lot of us have been doing with the unmanageable things that are going on, Satan's strongholds that are going on in our life. So we got to admit. Number two, we got to submit to a power larger than yourself because you can't do it on your own and freedom is choosing who controls you. Is that going to control you or is God going to control you? Number three, we're going to commit to commit because the Christian life is a decision followed by a process. So what I want to do, what I want to do, we commit to a process, but but how are we gonna how are we gonna work this from here on out? We're closing out this sermon series uh, today, and I want to I want to help you just to be able to visualize some things that maybe you need to concentrate on, that I need to concentrate on as we get rid of the baggage in our life. And obviously, I have shoes. Um, this is a a sermon metaphor I stole from my friend Mike Bro using shoes, and it's based on a, a poem by Portia Nelson called an autobiography in five short chapters. Very simple little poem goes like this. I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I'm lost. I'm helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. Chapter two. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place, but it isn't my fault. It still takes a long time to get out. Chapter three. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see that it's still there. I still fall in. It's a habit. My eyes are open. I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. Chapter 4. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Chapter 5. I walk down another street. That's what our goal is. Our goal, I mean, along the way, I realize that hole is there. I realize, I admit I have a problem. I'm going to submit to a power greater than myself. I'm going to commit to a process, and, and, I, and I move forward from there. How are you going to do that? How are you going to do that? If you're going to walk down another street, all right, if you're going to walk at least around the hole or hopefully walk around the street, you're going to need different shoes at different times in your life. At different times in regard to your baggage, you're going to need different shoes. And I'm going to start and end with happy shoes, okay, because I believe that that's one of the things that we miss in this whole deal. So these are your dancing shoes, all right. These are actually like pink ballet slippers. They're not mine, in case you're wondering. Um, I borrowed them. But, but the idea is I wanted to have something that demonstrated dancing shoes because I believe if you're going to walk free, if you're going to walk around the pothole, you got to learn to start dancing every once in a while. I don't care if you have have rhythm or not, it doesn't matter. Learn the Dougie, learn the tight pants, you know, do the Elaine from Seinfeld, 
Remember that one? I mean, you, you got to have some way that you can dance because here's what I want you to understand. The fact that you are listening to this online, you're, you're here today, whatever, is a little victory. At least there's something going on. At least you're like, I'm not clicking this off. I'm not, I'm not leaving today because I know that there are issues in my life that I need to deal with. And that's a little victory already. Human nature is to get down on ourselves. And, and, and Satan wants us to get down on ourselves, and God wants us to celebrate the good things. That's why when you go to an AA meeting or a recovery meeting, one of the first things they do is tell you how long it's been since their last drink or whatever. It's been 11 days since my last drink, and everybody cheers. It's been 11 hours since my last drink, and everybody cheers. They celebrate. It's been 11 years. It doesn't matter. I haven't viewed pornography in six months. Way to go. I finally forgave my dad. Way to go. Celebrate the victories and dance. Dance in the grateful awareness that God gave you everything you need, and you have little victories along the way. Listen to what the psalmist said. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Do you see that? I mean, as Christians, we should be dancing more. And if that's not your religious system you grew up in, I understand, but welcome to Parkview. Because we think sad church is an oxymoron. An oxymoron, you know, two words that don't go together but do, like jumbo shrimp, okay? That's an oxymoron. Um, Government assistance, oxymoron. (laughs) Cubs win. Oxymoron. I mean, I, st- I still can't get used to it. It's still, it's still hard for me. Sad church. That's an oxymoron. This should be the happiest place on earth. That's what it should be. I don't believe in the notion that the church is supposed to be boring and dull and feel like you time traveled back to leave it to Beaver. This is not the way it's supposed to be. We're supposed to celebrate. God actually commanded us to celebrate. In Leviticus, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, these are are my appointed festivals. The appointed festivals of the Lord. He says it twice. Don't miss this. Which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies. Read that. These are the parties that you are required to have. They're sacred parties. And he commanded it, absolutely commanded them to stop what they were doing and celebrate and have a feast in his name because he knows that our souls have a legitimate need to dance. So I would say first put on your dancing shoes. And and while I'm in Leviticus, let me just explain the next series. If you've seen it advertised already, Law School. I'm going to be preaching through Leviticus and not all the way through it. We're going to spend four weeks. But I want to take you back, and I know some of you are like, oh, boy, can't wait for that. No, wait a minute. There's some crazy, boring stuff in Leviticus, but the purpose behind Leviticus is what's really important. The purpose of the law, Jesus said he, had, he, 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 he came to bring us a new covenant. And so if you don't understand the old covenant, you don't understand why he came to give us the new covenant. So as we go through the rest of the Lent season, I want for us to be able to understand a little bit more about what what was that Ark of the Covenant all about? Why, why Why did they do the goat thing? And there will be a live goat as a part of this thing. I just want you to know there's going to be some fun things that are going to happen. 
But come and be here. Start it next week, all right? God told the people to party in Leviticus. He said, put on your dancing shoes and celebrate. And I love what the psalmist said. He said, then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things. You see, when you dance, when you celebrate, that's why they do that together in AA or in a recovery meeting. Because when you celebrate, it's contagious. And other people want to celebrate. My wife and I were flying home Wednesday evening. We landed at Midway about 5 o'clock. Do you remember what the weather was like that day? That's when the wind was blowing like, you know, like a tornado. And we're coming into Midway. And we're, land, you know, doing one of those landings. It's like, oh, oh, who's going to. And, and I mean, we fly a lot. I fly a lot. I've been through a lot of things. But everybody was like holding on for dear life. And as we hit, you know, bounced down for that first bounce and started to hit and, and, and wobble and came in, everybody's like gripping for, for dear life. And about three rows up, there's a four-year-old boy that was just giggling his head off. <laughs> he thought he was at Six Flags, man. It was like, woo-hoo-hoo, and he, he couldn't stop giggling. And it changed, the, it changed the tone of the entire plane. Everybody on the plane started laughing along with him, and we all kind of relaxed. That's why I want to start and end with the idea that you need to dance, all right? If you uh, want to walk down another street, you need to think, all right? You need your little conservative thinking shoes every once in a while. These are my uh, Dr. Tim Harlow shoes. These are, the, these are the scholarly shoes that make me think about somebody, some professor at some college who is helping people think. Because here's the deal. If you want to walk a new way, you're going to have to learn to think a new way. And so for some of us, at different times in our journey, we're going to need to put on our thinking shoes. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. The psalmist said, sometimes you need to dig in here and find out what's really going on. And I'm not just, one preacher called it re-wallpapering your mind, okay? I hear wallpapering coming back, which is so unfortunate. But re-wallpapering your mind is not just stripping the old stuff off, but it's putting something new up. And the best way to do that is to memorize God's word. And you're like, well, I don't know how to memorize God's word. Well, we've got help for you. We have 5,000 of these donated by the wonderful person who put them together, these Rhema booklets. Okay, I've told you about them along the way. Um, The Rhema booklets are a simple way for you to figure Figure out what your baggage is. What is the hole that you keep falling in? What is the stronghold that Satan has in your life? And you look in the back, and there's 17 different booklets listed here. And let's just say, well, one of them is hatred or love. I need to figure that out. So you pull out that booklet, and you look in that booklet, and you will find about 30 scriptures about hatred or love and which things you should put on in your life. And there's one on lust. There's one on pride. There, there's one on substance abuse. All of these different subjects, 17 different ones, and you can find scriptures in here. And every day, you could just take one of these scriptures, maybe write a post-it note, and memorize that scripture, and it will help you as you bring the word into your life. When Jesus was tempted in the, in the wilderness before he started his ministry, he answered Satan with the word of God. And it wasn't just like God so loves the world that he made his, you know, gave his only son. It wasn't just the Lord is my shepherd. He answered with specific scriptures when he shut Satan down with specific scriptures. And I want to encourage you to figure out how to do that. That's your thinking shoes. The Bible tells us to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. That is our offensive weapon. 
It's a great scripture in there about how to handle the evil one and the armor that we're supposed to put on. And there's only one offensive weapon, and this is it. If you want to walk down another street, you need to dance, you need to think, you may need to step. Um, That's what the cowboy boots are for. You may need to just step, just keep stepping, keep stepping in it, okay? You get what I'm saying? In, in Oklahoma, where I grew up, we didn't call these cowboy boots. We called them poop kickers. I churchified that a little bit, but that's what we called them, okay? What, it, what does that mean? This, the cowboy boots are designed for you to step in the poop, okay? Because no respecting cowboy walks around the poop. In, in, at the farm, okay, at the ranch. It just doesn't happen because it's everywhere. If you're around cows, you're going to be around the stuff that cows leave behind. And if you're going to spend all your time trying to avoid it, you're never going to get anything done. And if you walk out in the field in your thinking shoes or your dancing shoes and you're like, look, you know, looking around trying to make sure you don't step in anything, the, the bull is going to gore you while you're not watching, all right? I know you city people don't understand this. This is why they're, they go up to your ankles. This is why there's not very much tread on the bottom for the stuff to get caked into. And uh, there's no laces, anything else. Because these are designed for you to put on as you head out the door in the morning and take off when you come back at night and leave them there. And I'm telling you this because sometimes there are going to be some periods in your life, some of us are dealing with some baggage in our life that we can't avoid. It's in our home. It's in our, it's in our workplace. It's wherever it is. You know, we, we've talked about how if you're an alcoholic, you shouldn't go see your friends in a bar. But, but sometimes the problems are right there and you can't get away from them. So what am I saying? Sometimes you just got to keep on stepping. You just got to keep on walking. You don't lose heart, Paul said in Galatians. Don't become weary in doing good. You know it's there. Just keep stepping and go through. When you get home at night, you kick those things off, and you go to sleep, and you don't worry about it. Sometimes you just have to keep stepping. Don't hide out in the barn. You're never going to get anywhere. All right. If you want to keep walking free, if you want to walk down another street, you need, do you know what these are? Curling shoes. Curling. You see, you remember that sport on the Winter Olympics where the, you know, the guys are out there with their little brooms, you know, and it's a sport in the Winter Olympics. You're like, well, what's your illustration here? There's no illustration. I just want to go on record as saying curling is not a sport, okay? <laughs> curling is shuffleboard on ice. It's what old people do in senior centers. So stop putting that on television. If you want to walk down another street, here's where I'm going. You need to dig, okay? You need to dig. These are cleats, reminiscent of my old days when I used to play sports. My softball cleats that I used to use uh, back before I would hurt myself. What's the significance of cleats? Here's what the Apostle Paul called the life in which we live. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have kept the, finished the race. I have kept the faith. What does that sound like? Does that sound like life is going to be easy? No, it doesn't sound to me like life is going to be easy. What it sounds to me like is some days you're going to have to get up and lace up your cleats and dig in and be ready to go because this is going to be a battle. And probably every day 
we're going to need to dig in because this is going to be a battle. Jesus said the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. Do you know what the literal meaning of those words is in the original language? It's steal, kill, and destroy. That's literally what Satan wants to do to us. That's why it's so easy to fall back in that hole again. That's why the Bible calls them strongholds. Places where where Satan gets his foot in or he gets a, a handle and he grabs on and it's a stronghold. And it's why you keep going back to the same baggage. You keep falling back in the same hole over and over and over again. Because he wants you to fall in it. He wants to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's why this this life is so difficult, and sometimes you're going to have to lace up your cleats, and you're going to need to go. And what's important about this is that you need to understand that you do not have to give in to this. The Bible tells us that we have been rescued from the dominion of darkness and transported into the kingdom of life. When we accept Jesus as our Savior, we've been rescued. We have the power. You have the cleats. Satan still has his schemes, and he's still going to try, but you need to dig in. The Apostle Paul wrote to a bunch of new followers in a, in a town called Ephesus, which is a very wild pagan town, and he was trying to help them how they were going to live against the devil's schemes, and he said this, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the whole armor, on God's armor, so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. That's what I'm talking about right there. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against the evil rulers and the authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, against the evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist in the time of evil. And then after battle, you will still be standing firm. That's what has to happen. And one of the parts of that armor was our footwear. He said, stand firm then, next verse, with feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. We're doing a discipleship journey with our staff right now. We're going to unpack it for you guys along the way. But it's just a journey of trying to figure out how to be more like Jesus and how to be rooted. That's what it's called, how to to be rooted. It's the same idea, to be dug in and be able to do battle against the devil. And this week we were studying about strongholds and talking about the things that Satan's got a hold of us. And and the author talked about this passage, feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel. What does that mean? That's your footwear. It's the foundation of your armor. It doesn't matter if you have the strongest shield. This is what I thought was great. It doesn't matter if you have the strongest shield or the sharpest sword. If you're slipping around, you're done for. The gospel... The gospel of peace is the foundational truth that God created you, that Jesus saved you from your sin, and that the Holy Spirit is restoring you and the world. This is the gospel we base our life on and we tell others about. And Satan will do everything he can to undermine the gospel in our life because he knows that the peace and power come from living in this reality. And he cannot stand against the gospel as it plays out in our lives. So feet fitted with the cleats, that you can stand firm. And the other reason that I thought cleats were important to this illustration is because you normally wear cleats in a team sport, right? 
Not all the time, but, you know, you normally do it. You don't play tennis in, you know, cleats. You, 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 you don't uh, bowl in cleats. You obviously don't curl in cleats because curling is not a sport. What do you do? You play, you normally, you play football, you play baseball, you're on a team sport. And I want to remind you again, we've talked about this over and over again, you can't do this by yourself. You can't do this alone. We are in a team sport together, and you need to be in a group with some other people that are helping you. You need to be involved in a recovery group if you've got a specific issue that you're working on, and that requires being on a team. So lace up your cleats and jump in. Nobody walks alone. If you want to walk down another street, you need to share, all right? Just your walking shoes, okay? Take a nice little stroll, you're going to walk. What is that all about? Well, the point where you get to start realizing that other people have issues and you want to help them is the point when you start to realize that you're actually recovering from what's going on in your life. And maybe that's what God has called you through all this to do in the first place. In Mark 9, there's a guy that's been healed. He's been unable to walk all of his life, and he's lying on a mat, and he's been healed. And Jesus gets ready to leave the next day, and he's getting in his boat. And this guy comes over to him and says, hey, I want to go with you. I want to follow you. And here's what Jesus says. He says, no, I want you to go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. Because, dude, when you come walking in the door, they're going to realize that something is different. And they're going to want to know how it happened. And that's why, again, a recovery group, an AA group, whatever it is, is so, is so helpful. Because when somebody's there and you can see how the higher power, the almighty God, has helped them to be able to get rid of their baggage and stop falling in the hole and get rid of the stronghold of Satan, you're going to be encouraged from that as well. You're going to start walking free and you need to share it because the pain that you've been through is something that God wants to use. Here's a scripture we use a lot. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. That's one of my favorite verses. But have you read on? And he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. We are his ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. You've been through all of this junk. You've been through all of these holes. You've fallen in a bunch of times. It's time for you to go help other people get out of them. So that's why you need your walking shoes. The Bible tells us that he comforts us in our troubles. Why? So that we can comfort others. I mean, he does it because he loves us, but there's a so that. We can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. It goes back to the team sport thing. God wants to use your experiences to help other people. Most people think God wants to use the talented people or the gifted people, and that is a bunch of baloney. God wants to use the weak Paul told us this. He said, God doesn't use my strength. He uses my weakness. And I'm telling you the same thing. He wants to use our weakness That's how it goes. So I try to be as transparent as I can without being awkward up here in front of you because I do not ever want you to think that I have my life all figured out and that I'm this holy guy walking around on some cloud somewhere. And and nobody, because nobody's encouraged by that. If I listen to that guy preach, I'm like, whatever, you don't get where I live. 
You're not tempted by the things that I'm tempted by. That, that doesn't make any sense. God wants to put us back where he has us. So you got to understand that all of your weakness, all of the things that you've struggled with, that's why that is so important. My wife was talking to somebody this week who was so encouraged that I shared how bad our marriage was in the early days. I shared that a couple of weeks ago, and we do it openly. We both do. It was, I mean, it was not like normal bad. It was bad, bad. And we talk about that because we're still together after 33 years, and we want you to know that you can get through it, and that's how this process is supposed to work. That's why when you walk into an AA meeting, they say, hi, my name is Tim. I'm an alcoholic. And everybody says, hi, Tim. And then the next thing they say is, it's been this many days, months, years since my last drink. Please, if you've never been to an AA meeting, don't go into an AA meeting and say, hi, my name is Tim, and I think alcohol is icky. Because they're going to throw you out. You don't belong there. You only belong there if you've had a problem and God wants to use you. The proof of recovery is when you start to use the things that have happened in your life and share them with other people. If I'm going to walk down another street, if I'm going to get rid of this baggage and the strongholds of Satan, I'm going to finish up kind of like I started, and we're going to relax. Just a little bit different concept. We're going to relax. We used to call these thongs when I was younger. Do you guys remember that? Any of you? Yeah. And then we'd go to the beach, and I'd, you know, yell at my daughters, don't forget your thongs. And they, they didn't like that anymore, so I guess we're calling them flip-flops now. Um, but uh, one reason that I brought up the flip-flops is because there are a whole bunch of you who need to get a little Frankie goes to Hollywood when it comes to God, okay? You need to relax. This is a print um, my oldest daughter made for me. I don't know, 15 years ago. It's just a, she's just a fun, artsy person. She put this collage together. There's this random guy walking with a giant, you know, Pluto or, or Goofy, I never get him straight, in front of a church. And the picture of, she's the one in the middle that made it for me. And me and my youngest daughter, we're on a boat down in the Chicago River. Somebody had a boat and they took us out for a ride on the Chicago River. And we had such a great day. And it was a Father's Day present for me, which meant a lot because the phrase, as you can see, it is the heart that is not yet sure of its God that is afraid to laugh in his presence. And if I taught my kids one thing, that would be enough. God loves you. You need to relax. It is the heart that is not yet sure of its God that is afraid to laugh in his presence. You need to dance. You need to relax. You need to enjoy the forgiveness that he's given you. You need to understand that you are a child of God. We sang about that. And the Apostle Paul said, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. And Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. And your roots will grow down into God's love. That's what we talked about, the rooted and keep you strong. And I pray that you will have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide and how long and how high and how deep his judgment is, his anger is, his condemnation. No, his love. How wide, 
How long, how high, how deep is his love? We don't even get it. Paul says, if I had one prayer for you, it would be that you would learn to relax in the presence of God. That you would grasp how much he loves you. And for crying out loud, how much more could he love you? He sent his only son to die on a cross that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And the next verse said, for he did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. Remember that. God promises, this is a verse we've used through this series. I've seen what they do, but I will heal them anyway. I will comfort those who mourn. I will bring words of praise to their lips. May they have abundant peace both near and far, says the Lord who heals them. You see, this is about him. We've talked about this too. This is about him and his journey and how he helps us and his power. Understand that. When Jesus said, take my yoke upon you, everybody there knew what he was talking about. A yoke is, is, a, is a harness that you put two animals into so that they can pull something greater together. But if you think about that, putting something on your neck and get, you know, a big wooden thing on your neck to pull a load doesn't sound very great. But here's the problem. You don't understand. You already have a load and you're pulling it all by yourself. That's what this is. Jesus is saying, I've got a yoke with an empty spot in it, and I don't have any load because I'm God. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. i got plenty of power to help you, so why don't you let me? Jesus is the, is the, is the guy with an empty truck and a strong back on moving day. He's the co-worker who's got their project done and can come and jump in on yours. He's the big brother on the playground when you're being bullied who shows up at the last minute, and he is God. So cast your cares on him because he does care about you and he will sustain you and he will never let the righteous fall. So relax. We're going to do communion and, and um, what we're going to do, I'll explain the stickers, okay? Um, what I want you to do on the sticker is identify the one thing, the one stronghold, the one hole you keep falling into, the one piece of baggage that you already know you and God have been talking about through this series, or you just today you realize, I got this thing, I got to get rid of it, it's got to go. And I want you to write it on there. But now we're going to, you've probably seen already, we're going to stick them on the wall. So if you don't want to put exactly what the deal is, you could put some code word on there. It's not going to matter. But here's what we're going to do. On the way out, after communion, on the way out, we're going to ask you to stick those up there on the wall. We're actually going to leave them up for the whole season of Lent so that we can have a reminder. As we talk about the law, as we talk about the, the, the baggage that we have in our lives, it's going to lead us up to Palm Sunday and Easter. And on Palm Sunday, we're doing mass baptisms. Palm Sunday is the 8th and 9th of, uh, of April. That's that weekend. Going to do baptisms. Maybe some of you need to be washed clean. Uh, you never done immersion baptism. We'll do it then. And after that, we'll take the, and we're going to have the, the scapegoat thing, or it's going to be incredible service. And then after that, we'll take those down, and we'll celebrate Easter all together. And what we're going to do in between and there's places for you in the balcony or down here, either way. You can see them in the back. Uh, so you're going to go that way on your way out if you want to leave one. And we're going to have people pray over them the whole rest of the season of Lent. 
And you're welcome to come in at some point if you want to and pray over them. Our, our staff is going to, our prayer team, our, our Stevens ministers, all of them are going to be praying over them. Even if you just write a code up there for what your stronghold is, we're going to know what it is because God's going to know what it is. That's all that's going to matter, okay? And here's what's so important that you understand. You have the power to make this happen. Paul said, although we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they, the weapons we fight with, have the divine power to demolish strongholds and take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We have the power. Leave it behind. After communion, we're going to worship together, and uh, we'll lead you. If you want to go during that worship song and, and start to put your thing on on the way out, or if you want to wait till the song's over, it's up to you. Uh, we'll lead you in that. But first, what we're going to do is take communion together. And, and during communion, I want you to have the time to be able to think about it, write your thing on here so that you can drop it off on the way out, and, and, and we're going to do that during our communion time as we remember the fact that, that Jesus saved us from this stuff. It doesn't have to be a stronghold anymore. Let's pray. Lord, I guess first of all, I'm just thinking that there are probably some people there listening to me right now, maybe even online, wherever they are, they're like, okay, I don't know if I can dance or, or put my flip-flops on with God yet because I don't even know if he knows who I am, if he, if he loves me. I don't even know if I have him in my life. Help them to understand that he's loved them from before they were ever born, and that, that you sent your son to die for them, and that you want them to be your child, and they are your child. But they need to accept the gift of your son. So let them open up their heart right now and say, Jesus, I want you. I want you to be the Lord and the Savior of my life I'm going to follow you. I'm going to put on whatever shoes you need me to put on for that day, and I'm going to walk this journey. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to dance. I'm going to think. I'm going to keep stepping through what's going on. I'm going to put on my cleats. I'm, I'm going to share it when I get through it, and I'm going to relax in you. All of those things at different times. I'm going to put those shoes on. I'm going to put your armor on. I'm going to use the sword of the Spirit, and I'm going to know that I have the power inside of me that comes from you to defeat the enemy's strongholds in my life. And it's not from me. It's not from anything that anybody can do in my life. It's from you. Forgive me for the times I've fallen in that hole and help me to walk down another street. For all of us, Lord, as we take communion, we're reminded that's what it's all about. The reason you had to die on that cross was that blood was required for our sin. It was that grave. It was that heinous. The, the penalty was blood. And in the Old Testament, that was a lamb. And when you came, you were the lamb. And we are free because of you. So help us to remember that now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.